Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Dear Ruby podcast where we listen to what Canadians are saying during the COVID-19 pandemic when it comes to their money and try to answer those questions, uh, whether it be about government benefits, whether it be about returning to work, whether it be about how you're going to pay for essentials uh, when you don't have very much money coming in. So if you're on government benefits and you're struggling to pay your essential needs, how you can get through this time, how you can improve your cash flow. Uh, This has been uh, a really interesting time when it comes to our money because we've been affected by so many different things and the pandemic has exacerbated some of the problems that we already had when it came to debt and spending issues and um, other problems that people were already facing. We knew that many Canadians were already living paycheck to paycheck going into the pandemic. And Bo and I, my co-host, have been meeting weekly since the pandemic started, uh, to talk about all the issues that not only are now new, newly new issues that have now started because of COVID-19, but also those things that are now being exaggerated and being highlighted and what we're going to do going forward. We have a great show planned for you today and really excited to talk about a lot of things that have been happening, not just here in Canada, but also in the United States. I wanted to bring in my co-host, Bo Humphreys. Bo, how has your week been? Uh, There has been so much going on, even non-COVID related uh, that really has, for me anyways, um, just taken up all of my time. Overwhelming amount of news coming out this week. I've had a, a, an okay week myself, but just looking at, at Twitter all the time, and we're going to talk about this more in detail uh, uh, closer to the, uh, the end of, of the show, but you know, this, uh, there's, there's race riots in the U.S., basically. Uh, do you remember uh, Rodney King? Is that the last sort of thing that... Uh, that was really big like this. Do you were you around, uh, or do you have memory of that? Yeah, I absolutely have memory of Rodney King. I don't think that I was as invested in the news as I was because it was. Uh, I can't remember the exact date of. I'm going to Google it right now when uh, the Rodney King riot started. Uh, but I remember that being the first time that you know an entire country woke up to. Uh, what was happening in America? This was back in 2012. 2012. Okay. Was it 2012? Really? Well, no. He, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, not 2012. No. I apologize. No. That's when he died. That's when Rodney oh, King died. Oh, he died. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So this was um, this was back in 1991. All right, I was going to say 2012. Yeah, I must yeah. have been woke to <laughs> must have been woke to news in 2012. That's insane. Uh, so yeah. they, this happened in 1991. So I would have been in grade nine or ten. Um, I would have been in grade nine, actually. So I wasn't as, you know, as a, as a young person, I'm not as connected to the news. I'm not as affected by it. But definitely, I remember watching the news with my parents, wondering, you know, how this is going to end and feeling a sense of anxiety that, um, you know, there's just people out on the street that are protesting, they're being pepper sprayed, they're being attacked by police. And here we are again, the same situation. And now it's exaggerated because we get so much more video. We get so much more information because of social it's everywhere. media. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. And, and, it, and it's a good thing, right? I mean, it's not a good thing that any of this stuff is happening. But what I've been hearing is that this happens anyway um, behind closed doors. So this video is actually good maybe to make change, you know, and, uh, you know, who knows what the best way to go about it is. It, this is all just seems like chaos, right? Um, but let's get to the other things first, because you and I could talk about this for the whole show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is something where it's not really, I don't think this is going to really make people sad or make them cry, but the big banks 
um, are saying that their profits are down last quarter and mainly because of COVID-19 and because they've had to put money aside because they're now anticipating, and this is when it really, this is when it really hits our personal finances. They're anticipating that once benefits run out and once uh, the pandemic uh, starts to slow down and people get back to some kind of normality, uh, that they're going to be unable to pay their debts, including their mortgages. And so the banks have had to take some measures to make sure they have money on the side to pay for those bad loans. Um, And as well, you know, many people have deferred their loans, so they're not making as much money. So many banks are saying that all banks saying they've lost profit, uh, some even cutting their dividend, which is unprecedented really in Canada. I think it's Laurentian Bank. Yeah, 100 years uh, for some of them in a row, like uh, every time increasing the dividend, let alone actually giving uh, a dividend. Um, you know, yeah, growing up, my dad would always say, always invest in banks because they never cut their dividend. And so here we are, you know, where there's an, ex- I mean, it's, it's one of the smaller banks, but uh, still, uh, the fact that the dividend's been cut after you mentioned, like after 100 years, that's uh, pretty serious. I don't know, how how sorry do you feel for the banks? <laughs> banks I, do, I don't feel sorry <laughs> at all. Uh, you know how I feel about banks. You know, uh, the... Um, I work as a, a, a BIA insolvency counselor for Hoyes Michaelis. And if you listen to the Debt Free in 30 podcast with Doug Hoyes, he's been talking about what's going to happen as well um, once all of this uh, uh, clears and when the courts reopen and people are having to worry about being you know, taken to court or their wages being garnished and stuff, insolvencies, uh, the people are just going to come flocking to us, right? And that's basically, yeah, if they... So the banks are preparing for these loan defaults. And so, yeah, if you want to find out more about what uh, Doug is predicting for the insolvency side, go listen to the Debt Free and 30 podcast. Basically, uh, I was on the podcast the, the, the week before the pandemic. So I'm the mm-hmm. last actual episode with a, with a guest that's not pandemic related, <laughs> March, middle of March. And then ever since then, it's all, all pandemic. Even Doug's last episode, uh, his 300th episode, if you can believe that, right, we're we're in week 10 of our uh, weekly series here, and Doug's done 300, uh, I think, weekly, which is just crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But he, uh, it's a really good one because he talks about um, are, like, you know, changing your own reality and in terms of perception. Like, if you do lose your job and something like this, you can go either way, right? You can be like, everyone's out to get me. Um, you, know, be, you can become a victim, right? Or you can try to move forward. And that's what a lot of people are struggling with now, I think, right? Um, is is uh, what do we do and and how do we move forward because we don't know what's going to happen too right so like you said they're they're preparing but they're still not doing uh, terrible banks are always making profits right when they say oh like we talked about this last week I think uh, uh, when when uh, profits are down uh, it just means l- less lots of money. Not mm-hmm. no money, not negative, right? They, I mean, they still made, I believe, collectively $5 billion. So I That's don't think right. that, that banks are not struggling. It's just they're not making as much money as they're normally used to making. Uh, mortgages are banks' biggest businesses. That's why they, they yeah. market them so heavily. Uh, because when you go for a mortgage, you're signing up for a 25-year contract. I mean, that is just golden for them. You Most people don't move banks once they've signed up for one because uh, a... People don't want to because it's too much hassle and they love their bank or whatever. They, they're they more comfortable with the bank that they're with. And also, it's a big hassle. Have you ever tried to move a mortgage from one bank to the other? I've done it three times. And it is 
It is excruciating. It's more difficult than getting uh, your initial mortgage application because you're dealing with two different banks now, whereas normally when you're applying for a mortgage, you're just dealing with the one bank because normally um, you just get all the paperwork together that they need and they walk you through the process. But then often one bank will say, well, they, they're stalling on this piece of paper and then you've got to chase the other bank to get. It's a nightmare. I mean, often it's saved us thousands of dollars by doing so. Because sometimes you get a little bit of a, a sweetener if you move banks. Um, and also, yeah. obviously, we move because there's a lower rate. But it's a lot of work. You really have to think about it. So um, the banks rely on mortgages to make them money. And they use that money to then make themselves more money. They package those mortgages and sell them off as investment uh, products. So um, not having that regular stream of income come in is hurting their bottom line. Absolutely. And just, you know, if anyone, if this makes anyone worried about the money they have in the bank, just know that, uh, you know, all of your bank accounts in Canada are covered up to $100,000 by the Canada Deposit Insurance Corporation. Um, that's, you know, the government's going to cover that. So if, like, the banks end up all failing, uh, don't worry. Just don't keep more than 100000 per account. You can actually have, like, eight different accounts, too. You can have, like, you know, $800,000. So don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm glad for that person that has almost a million dollars banks that their money <laughs> in is ca- in cash. Because cash. Right? Yeah. investments are covered by a different thing. So yes. you don't have to worry about that even. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to the extreme. Like Canadian banks are still, by and large, rock yeah, they're solid. Still great, they're but... still great. They're still great. They're, you know, they're an indication of how well our economy is doing. Uh, normally, if you want to, if you want to sort of take a, a look into a crystal ball and say, where is Canada's economy headed? Look at what the banks are doing. Um, and this may be a good indication that we're headed towards more volatile times. The fact that they're making less profits than they normally do. Less people are um, uh, able to pay their mortgage right now. This is a good indication that a year from now, things are not going to be back to economically normal, that we're still going to be struggling to get back to where we were before March 15th, before this pandemic started and the, the economy was basically brought to a halt. Uh, I think that, you know, we talk about V-shaped recovery at all, all the time. I don't see that as being the way that we're going to recover, not just here in Canada, but anywhere in the world. Um, it's going to be, um, you know, very much sort of a slow and steady U shape recovery. And even that uh, that mm. U might not, it might be more like a Nike check mark, right? So yeah, like uh, a really, really slow, gradual incline after this big dip. That's what you're. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we basically went off a cliff, so we went straight down. And we now did, we're yeah. now we're trickling. I mean, any any graph you look at, whether you look at unemployment, you look at GDP, anything you look at, uh, as soon as March hits, it's just a straight line down. And so we're going to be mm, trickling. Yeah. You know, we're going to be bumping around uh, wherever we are at right now for a long time, and that includes unemployment, interest rates, GDP, uh, business sentiment, all those things, all those things that we look at to see how healthy our economy is. And then as things get back, I, you know, we've talked about it before. There's so many factors. It's not just getting back to work. It's about feeling comfortable at work. It's about now people wanting a new normal as well. I mean, lots of me, my friends and I have talked about how we don't really want to go back five days a week. I never really worked five days a week anyways because I'm freelance and I have a different kind of work schedule. But most of my friends who work five days are not really – they're kind of loving the fact that they can do a hybrid week where they could do two, three days at home and then maybe two days in the office. So a lot of businesses are going to rethink when – you know what the workforce is going to look like. And so all of that's going to take time and it's all going to um, contribute to the economy being slow to recover. For sure. I mean, all companies have to do is set whatever profit targets that they want, like big companies, and then 
it doesn't have to be based on, okay, will we get this done in nine to five? It'll be, will we get this done? And if, if they get it done, then people can work on whatever schedules, get it done. That's how all business should run. Uh, a lot of things have to be done with when, when people can uh, meet with each other or have scheduled appointments and things like that. So obviously waking hours or, you know, uh, that's sort of a given. But a lot of people also work during the same waking hours. So mm-hmm. it's the flexibility is actually helping a lot. And it's, but even in my business, it was harder for me to, say, do a couple of hours in the evening if I had to go back into the office and somebody had to go there. But now I can do that from home while the baby is sleeping and I don't have to leave, right? Like, so there's actually a lot of uh, additional benefits to this. And, uh, you know, the downside people are saying is, is collaboration is gone, but we can do that online. Um, you know, and a lot of interruptions in going into offices and having meetings, th- th- those are actually not productive, you know, when, when you think about a lot of those things. Yeah, I, I mean, I, there's so many meetings that when I worked in like uh, like a nine to five job, I remember thinking, how you like, why am I even here? It's just a waste yeah. of everybody's time, right? Um, I was at the grocery store yesterday, and there was a young man um, putting up uh, like individual tags on each hanging basket for nineteen ninety nine, and I was and I said to him, I said, why don't you just make one sign and put it on the whole <laughs> whole thing? Like this poor kid was like with wire, you know, and he's like, I told my manager that, but he said he wants them individually marked. And I'm like, this is the best example of how managers waste employees time. Yeah. And, you just know, trying you could, to keep busy. Is that what try, that is? Yeah. Like he could be doing something totally different. Like he could, you know, he could put the one sign that would take him five minutes to create and put a nice sign. He could put on all four sides of this, this wheelie thing that they were on. So everybody knows that these baskets are 1999, <laughs> and right. um, and also you know like yeah. So and they were they were selling so quickly that I don't think anyone would like there was there was no confusion at all as to how much they would cost. Anyways, <clears throat> and so that you know you see that in the in the corporate world all the time, like someone doing yeah. something. It's just it's a waste of time, and meetings are one of those things. Like you have Busy to join work. this meeting. Busy yeah, work. Or, or yeah. can you send me the seven different versions of this report? That always drove me nuts, right? Yeah, it's like, and then you're, okay. I'm not even going to read it. I'm not even yeah. going to read the deck. Yeah. How about you think about what you want first, and then I'll make that one, right? Yeah. And if you don't like that one, then we'll move on to the next six, right? <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of things. Hopefully, people will uh, focus on those things a little more, a little more efficiency, a little more... Uh, utilization of human capital uh, and maybe more work-life uh, balance value. Do you right? think? Do you like that word human that. capital? I know we use it all the time, but now it's it's starting to. Um, it, because did you hear the, the? I can't remember the politician. He was on um, an American politician. He was on CNN and he referred to human capital, and people took a lot of offense to that because it's like did they? Yeah. So there's uh, there's there's unused. I think he said unused human capital. And so people then, you know, basically said it, it goes back to like when people were treated like slaves, where people were oh, slaves. That's, right. That's terrible. Because, yeah, so what, I would use that because I probably learned that kind of stuff in university. Yeah. Right? So and like, I like, like, you know what I mean? Even the word capital, capital. What does that mean to most people? To, to me, that just means like an asset. Right? Yes. So, so that's like, exactly what hu- they're human saying. beings as assets. Um, yeah, you're right. It does sound like something you own, and that's terrible. So if that's if that's what we're trying to reframe, absolutely. So what's a better way? What's a better way? Just talking about human beings and you and 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 uh, them working for you to help the company. Is there a better? Yeah, better yeah way to I do mean, this? <laughs> you could you could say like um, 
employee empl- you could word use the word employee Just employees yeah, yeah like uh, like um uh, better use of employee time or employee, employee time. focus or something whatever you know, like, human so something humanizes it that's is that yeah, yeah yeah so if like you're that. gonna if you're gonna hire a workforce okay so you call it a workforce because they are working so that's yeah, fine okay, they're yeah, a force yeah, um yeah. and say oh this is like uh you know what's the best way to, to to use my employees time or what's the best way to put my employees to work or to value you know, my value my employees yeah uh, time right and and because you you want ha- like you know, again, this sounds like cattle, but you want happy employees, right, to be able to to work for you without right? a doubt. Yeah, you know, I'm. You know, it's funny. I'm not a manager at all, so I don't manage people. But I'm speaking as if I, I do. But I do uh, value good managers who understand their employees, right? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's you know, it's just yeah. So if people can value those a little more, right? Value the time, things like time, and uh, just happiness. Uh, I, I like a happy employee that has time for the rest of their life uh, mm-hmm. to live the rest of their life. Like that'll, that'll bring you lots of money. That's what I think. Well, they're now thinking about um, 10 day, 10 day, uh, 10 days of sick leave brought in yes. uh, by the federal yeah. government, which I think is excellent because a lot of provinces are, are dragging their heels uh, with, uh, you know, mandating sick leave basically and saying to employee uh, employers that you have to give your employees sick leave. No questions asked. That's, I think that's the big thing is that, you know, I've worked for big corporations where I can call in sick and there's no questions asked, but I've also worked for smaller places where they want to know why I'm sick and when I'm coming back. So yeah. I've been on both sides of it. And um, and also, you know, just just valuing the fact that you're not just uh, you're not just an employee at that company. You have a whole different life outside with children and family and other responsibilities and a home and your own, you know, desires to do other things than just create you know, for that company or be productive for that company. It's not um, your I, whole life, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And speaking of uh, companies, uh, because many are still out of work, millions of Canadians are still out of work. This week, uh, Justin Trudeau made the comment that CERB, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, which is essentially income replacement, is not going to be extended. A lot of people gasped when they heard that, but I'm not sure why, because... It's already available until October 3rd. They can't really extend it. It's a really expensive program. It's costing them billions, yeah. of, you know, costing them billions, really. Uh, all the programs in, in combination are. And um, at one point, they're going to have to pay this money back. And so they can't continue to just allow CERB to, 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 to be offered. So it's still 16 weeks and four-week periods. If you've lost income due to COVID-19, you apply for it on a four-week um, in four week chunks. And so I, my best advice to people is that if you are someone that is still working, kind of use the months where you apply for CERB wisely, don't just use it. Um, and if you are, um, on CERB right now, if you can save a little bit of money, uh, that would be really smart because there may not be a job at the end of the four months and you may not qualify for EI. Well, and I think what people want to know is, is, uh, that, if the pandemic continues, that that they're going to be covered, and that's what this concept of if they're saying the CERB will will run out, well, will it run out before I'm I'm allowed to go back to work? Right? It's a valid concern, but you're I mean you're right. It, it they can't do this forever, but that means that they're going to have to align all of that. Right? I don't know. It, it, like whose responsibility is all? I keep asking that question, right? Is it our responsibility to be resourceful and find? I say our, bec- I mean, I mean, all of us together. As I society, yeah. I still yeah. have a job. You still have a job. We're, we're lucky. 
that way. But as a society, are we supposed to uh, see this pandemic? Okay, we have time. The government helps us in the meantime, but we're supposed to figure it out and make money where there's money to be made. Is that the idea? What do you think? I think eventually we have to take personal responsibility. So if you've lost your job and you're taking CERB right now and they're not calling you back to work, although the the message we're getting now is that many companies are ramping up to get people back to work, but many Mm. of those people are already working. So it's companies that have been able to move their employees to work from home and they're now saying, how can we safely bring them back? But there are like, for example, if you work as a full-time waitress, most likely you're not going back to work anytime soon. So I think this is a time to think what other skills do I have that I could make money because um, if you're working in in an industry that's not coming back like if you work at a gym you work at a daycare you work at other places where the indication is is that there's it's going to be a long time before those those places are up and running fully so even if you work at a daycare and they open it tomorrow they may not bring everybody back because not everybody's using daycare services so they may not need as many employees and that person that owns the daycare is going to be thinking about their own costs too right um, so you have to think proactively. I mean, this is what recessions do, right? Re- recessions uh, make people rethink their career goals, rethink what they're qualified to do, what their talent, what their talents are. And um, I think it's time for people to start thinking about um, how they're going to make money going forward if the job that they did before is just not available. Well, yeah, I, I met with somebody a couple of weeks ago who uh, was working in, in, the, in the serving in restaurants, um, you know, making uh, good money. Uh, but that's gone, and the, so she looked into what was available, and turns out the garbage collection, waste waste services uh, in the city of Hamilton, she got a job, and yeah. that's what she does, and it pays a lot more and more hours, and she just had to pivot and accept. Not everyone would want to do that, and not yeah. everyone is open to doing that and has a mindset to, to think, I got to survive. It, but, you know, she, because of all my clients, has been through insolvency. And that is a big sort of uh, kick in the pants, right? Mm-hmm. To be like, okay, I never want to be in this kind of debt again. What's, uh, what's open to me? I will pivot. This is more important. That's, this is, so maybe this is the time to, so yeah, think outside the box, right? Yeah. And, and pivot is the perfect word to describe what we need to do right now because uh, we can't just assume that life is going to go back to what we had before the pandemic started. We definitely can't expect that our job is going to be available to us after because even if you're furloughed, the the feeling is is that many people may not be going back after that furlough. Um, it's a way of a company just sort of extending their uh, responsibility of paying termination pay. And so there, you know, many companies will furlough people uh, thinking, okay, maybe we'll bring them back, but hopefully they'll find another job and we won't have to pay them the severance that they're owed. So that's, you know, that that's that's also a way that companies can save money sometimes is by furloughing and, um, and then just sort of biding some time, buying some time for them to actually uh, deal with their financial responsibilities when it comes to laying people off so just i think pivoting um, finding what other jobs are out there there are jobs it's just uh, you know may not be the job that you were doing before uh this all started we got a couple of minutes bo and i wanted to talk about what's happening in the united states because you know as you know um Canada and the United States have a very intertwined uh, relationship when it comes to the economy. We do 75% of our trade with the United States. So from small to medium-sized to large businesses, we all rely on a healthy United States. And um, we talked about it off the top, what's been happening with, uh, with the riots and what started it and how 
on top of all of this, the pandemic is still starting. It could have a major effect on Canada's ability once the borders do open to continue to do uh, business with, with the U.S. Um, how has that? How has how has this situation in the U.S. impacted you both? Oh, just you know, it, it's well. First of all, it brings everything to light. As I said earlier, things that I wouldn't normally see are definitely not experience in my life because I don't experience anything like this. I'm very lucky. I'm very privileged. Um, but I am trying to be more aware of what happens, and and uh, um, it's just so blatant, though. Like I, ne- I never thought saw it this way, right? To, to have these things captured on camera and still trying to confabulate and deny what's going on, it's just it. It feels like 1984, you know. Really, like it feels like everyone's doing double think and double talk. And it's like, whatever you saw, well, that was just something that wasn't what you saw. What mm-hmm. are you trying to say? Like, I know what I saw, right? Whatever it was, was not right, right? Like, however you want to spin it, it's not right. And and w- I don't know if this response is valid or not. You know, it's, it's hard to, to make those kind of judgments. But, I mean, uh, it's just watching this is like the world is on fire. That's how it feels. And, you know, this all started with uh, George Floyd, the death of George Floyd, who yes. um, uh, there was video captured of a, of a cop kneeling on his neck. I think the time was Very nine clear. and a half minutes that he was on his neck. This, uh, you know, this yeah. 200 pound man on top of another man leaning his knee into his neck, uh, essentially, you know, choking him to death because um, yeah. he did die in the end. So it's not it's not a stretch to say that. And uh, with all the video now that's available, we you know we talked about the L.A. riots. The reason they started was because there was video of it and people saw what the cops were doing and they saw that it was uh, unfair and unjust. Uh, you know, there's so many incidences that people we always talk about this that are not on video. We don't know what happens when they get into when they get into the jail cell. We don't know what happens when they get into the cop car because there's no video of that. And people are sick and tired Black people especially are sick. Black people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. I heard that this weekend. I thought that was a great way of putting it where, you know, they've tried everything, peaceful protests, speaking to their government officials, doing the right thing, teaching their young children about how to act when cops are around and still they're being shot and killed. And so this is, I, I think this is what we always expected from this administration was going to happen because the anger is so... Uh, it's so on the surface in the United States. And this is, I don't know where we're going to come out at the end of this, but economically speaking, because we are a podcast that talks about personal finance, this is just going to make it more difficult for us to recover from the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, like on top of the, the 100,000 plus deaths already in the U.S. And now this, uh, the, the major cities are on fire there's this divide in, in the U.S. There always was the divide, obviously, politically, but there's this, you know, and there always was racial divide, too, of course. But it's all just coming to a head right now because everyone's, like you said, they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. Because w- when, when is there going to be actual real change, right? And, uh, I mean, you know, we're, uh, all we can do uh, here is, is uh, we'll talk about it. Well, what we can do is talk about it, right? Because we have this platform. And so, yeah, that's why it felt weird to not talk about it in this episode. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's hard to sometimes always look at things from the lens of how much is this going to affect my bottom line? Um, And sometimes it is just a a story about uh, humanity and about the fact that this has been going on for like hundreds of years. And now it's just uh, at a point where people are fed up. 
People are fed up with the way that they're treated and people are fed up with the way that there's no action being taken to actually uh, help the situation. You know, we could talk about this um, all day uh, is obviously a hot issue. I think that, you know, being an ally is important, Uh, whether you are a white person or a brown person or a black person being an ally to anybody that has been affected by uh, police brutality, racism, that's just the best thing that you can do. Definitely don't be silent. If you see something, speak up, uh, make points that are valid. If you, if you want to, if you want to be that, that person that sticks up for people that may not have a voice and then, then, then speak up, don't walk away. Um, and, um, and understand that we all live lives differently and not everybody comes from money not everybody has a history you know even the fact that some people can say i know where my great great grandfather what he did i can go and get his birth certificate that in in of itself is a privilege um, a lot of people can't do that and that then contributes to the way that they live their lives today absolutely well said so um <laughs> what a weird note to end on you know th- this is know, a personal no. finance podcast about uh, <laughs> about what's been going on with currently we're talking about what's been going on with covid-19 um, if you have any questions for Dear Ruby, you can reach us at Dear Ruby, D-E-A-R-R-U-B-I.com. We're on Twitter now as well. You can follow us, um, uh, Dear Ruby Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter. And uh, send us your questions, send us your queries, send us your comments. If you, anything we've said in this podcast you want to talk about, please let us know, and we will uh, try to answer those questions uh, to the best of our ability. And um, we will be meeting again next week to talk about all things... Um, COVID-19 related and the economy. Thanks so much, Bo, for for taking the time today uh, to to meet and uh, talk about all these issues that are so important. Thanks. And yeah, I'll see you next week. Yeah, for sure. Take care, guys. Have a good one.